Continuing on with the book of Joshua, you know, the journey into the promised land for the children of Israel. Uh, God wants us to study the book of Joshua from the individual perspective of Joshua being the son of Nun, that is, the son resprouted or the son born again, you know, um, a man in whom is the rock. Akadesh is a picture of the body of Messiah in our actuality. Collectively, we're speaking to those who have went through their wilderness experience, have endured its tests and trials by holding on to Elohim and truly have become Israelites. They are born the whoredom of their parents and forefathers, yet they have their old man, that is their flesh man and his lust, broken down, humbled, and deadened. As a result, they're no longer fleshly or worldly, but are now reborn spiritually via the water of the word of Barak HaKadosh. Within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahushua, i.e. his ecclesia, and those born-again believers that make up spiritual Israel. We'll learn how to enter into the kingdom of Elohim, what to expect one sin, as well as how to perceive one sin. Another perspective. Uh, we'll be exploring is that of the land and the inhabitants of the land, how the land came and speak to the kingdom of Elohim within you, and how its inhabitants relates to the remnants of the fallen angels, demons, devils, and other unclean spirits which currently inhabit the land inherited by the born again believer. You know, so with no longer, a, uh, no more ado. We're in the book of Joshua, and today we're going to talk about the battle of Jericho. Hallelujah. Found in Joshua 6. Let me have my first reader read Joshua 6, 1 through 5, please. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And Yahushua said unto Joshua, See, I have given, thy, given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. He shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear their shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of rams, ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall come past the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the, blow with the trumpets, trumpets. Ye shall come to pass that when ye make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Hallelujah. All right. So let's talk about compass in the city. The word compass is in the Hebrew number 5362. It just simply means to surround. You know, so they're walking around the city, um, basically, and they're doing that for six days. You know, and there are seven priests that go before the ark with seven trumpets. You know, these trumpets are shofars. You know, shofar speaks to something that's incising or glistening, you know, um, like the incising sound that it makes. And the ram's horn speaks of the blast of a horn, which which is a flowing blast. It's the one that they were doing. You know, and it says that when you hear the sound of the trumpet, trumpet, you know, um, on, the, on the last day, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, a long blast with the ram's horn, you know, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall flat down, down flat, you know, and this, this does, you know, make a, have, have a resemblance of, um, of actually the seven trumps that we read about in Revelation, you know, 
but I was led not to go there. So we're not going there. Um, let me have my next reader read uh, verses 6 through 11 of Joshua 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of Yahuwah. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of Yahuwah. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before Yahuwah and blew with the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of Yahuwah followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the rearward came after the Ark, the priests going on, and the blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout, then ye shall shout. So the ark of Yahuwah compassed the city, going about it once, and they came unto the camp and lodged in the camp. Hallelujah. Uh, now you may be wondering, in verse 9 it, it says, The iron men went before the priest that blew with the trumpets, and the re-reward um, came after the ark. You know, this word re-reward, you know, actually speaks to the assembly. Um, I believe the actual Hebrew word is uh, Asif, you know, and which speaks to to assemble, uh, and so it's just speaking about the assembly was walking after the ark, you know, the priests were out out front, and then there were some with uh, weapons that was before them, and so here it is. This picture actually depicts, you know, some with weapons out before out in front, and then you had the seven priests behind, and then behind them would have been the Ark of the Covenant, and then behind them would have been the host of Israel. You know, and so they were going around the wall of Jericho. In case you, you know, didn't know, these are the walls of Jericho. And that they were walking around. You know, and so here's a picture of the latter half, you know, where they actually have the Ark, and then you have the host come bringing up the rear. All right, let me have my next reader read verses 12 through 16, please. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of Yahuwah, and seven priests bearing seven trumpets of rams, rams horn before the ark of Yahuwah went on continually, and blew with the trumpet, and the armed men went before them, but the, but the reward... But the re-reward came after the ark of Yahuwah, the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day, they compassed the city once and returned to the campus. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times, only on the day that they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for Yahuwah hath given you the city. 
Hallelujah. You know, so y'all getting involved with the uh, with the situation. He's gonna he's gonna bring the victory. You know. He continues on in verses seventeen through twenty one. My next reader, please. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all the all that are therein to Yahuwah. Only Rahab, the harlot, shall live. She and all that are with her in the house, because ye hid the messengers that were sent. And ye in any wise keep yourself from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourself accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto Yahuwah. They shall come into the treasury of Yahuwah. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep, and that word with the edge of the sword. Hallelujah. All right. Now I do want to talk about this for a minute. Um, because you don't, you don't see this very often. You don't see it throughout the, uh, the text. But you do see it here. And so I want to... Um, I want to bring it out that this city is said to be accursed. Did you catch that? The city shall be accursed and all that are therein. So now the city is accursed and everything that's in the city is accursed. Amen? You know, so like this is a really important point that I don't think gets stressed um, enough. You know, and also... Take note of verse 21 because it, it tells us that they utterly utterly destroyed all that was in the city. Now check this out. It says both man and woman, young and old, the oxen, the sheep, the, um, the behinds, they killed everything. Can you see that? They killed man, woman, and child. They killed all the animals. They killed everything that was living. Can you see that? You know, that's huge. Because this wasn't the mandate for everywhere they went. But in some places, it was. And this is one of those places. See, and... People usually just read right past this and they don't take heed that that this should stick out like a red thumb. You know, um, well, like a sore thumb anyway. Should stick out like a sore thumb. You know, like this is, this is huge. You know, because y'all was saying kill everything that, that, that moved, everything that's alive in here. Destroy all of it. The people, the animals, everything got to go. You know, but the silver and the gold, 
and the brass and the iron are to be consecrated unto Yah. So that comes into the treasury of Yah and everything else is destroyed. Everything else is killed. You know, so the reason I bring that up is because there must have been something going on here that Yah really, 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 really did not like. You know, for him to go to these extremes. You know, it has to had to have been a very dangerous place. Not dangerous for Yah, but dangerous for Israel. You know, to the point that he says that the city is accursed and everything is it is is um is accursed. And if you keep anything it will cause you to become accursed. And it will make the camp of Israel a curse and troubling. You know, so that's huge. And that is not the ordinary. That is exceptional. You know, so I wanted to just point that out because, you know, I, I don't think it gets just due. I think a lot of people just run past it, you know, but they shouldn't. You know, um, let me have my next reader read verses 22 through 27, please. But Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and bought out her half, and her father, and her mother, and her brother, and all that she had, and they bought out all her kindred, and left them without the camp of Israel. They burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron they put in the treasury of the house of Yahuwah. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel even unto this day because she had hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjourned with them that time saying, Accursed be the man before Yahuwah that rises up and buildeth the city, this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So Yahuwah was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Hallelujah. You know, now, this reminds me of something Yahshua said. Yahshua said, you know, um, if you help, help a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. You know, and here it is. We see um, uh, Rahab, you know, she helped, she helped the spies and she received their reward. You know, she was allowed to live and she was allowed to remain with Israel. You know, not only her, but her whole family. You know, and so this shows us that even in this accursed place, there's still some that can make it out. Amen. Amen. You know, y'all still can save some of them. You know, and so that's uh, a lesson to be learned here. You know, and it says, if Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household and all that she had, you know, because of what she did, you know. And Joshua adjured them at that time, you know, saying, cursed be the man before Yahuwah that rises up and build a city, um, Jericho. 
he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in the youngest son he should set up the gates of it and he's saying that you know this man would be cursed and you know this was a prophecy that actually came to pass many many years later it's found in first kings 16 29 through 34 says and in the 38th year of asa king of yahuda began Ahab, the son, son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of Yahuwah above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal and in, in the house of Baal or Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke Yahuwah Elohim of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. In his days did Hiel, the Bethlehemite, um, Bethlehemite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof in his youngest son Sabu, according to the word of Yahuwah, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. You know, and so here it is, we see that this uh this truly did come to pass, but this is not what Yah wanted me to speak on today either. You know, instead he wanted me to focus in on understanding the battle of Jericho, and in particular, Jericho itself, you know, and what he was showing me is that this is a prophetic battle of light versus darkness, you know, and I'm going to try to paint the picture for you, you know, so Jericho means it's moon or it's month, it can also mean fragrance. Now, the only thing I can think of that has a moon belonging to it is the night. Right. You know. And so, the night, of course, is darkness. You know, and the only thing I can think of with a month is a calendar year. And so, you know, Jericho seems to very strongly point to that that moon or that month that mo that moon or, uh, or month of the night uh, or of the darkness and you know or the months of of the year now that said Jericho is a reference uh, to the light that rules over darkness you know because it represents a moon or a month and the moon goes through its phases to make up a lunar month now, the thing is, is that in Yah's calendar of light, there are no lunar months. There's only solar months. You know, so there's no Jericho, if you would. Now, this reminds me of something Yahshua said, says in Luke 11.34, says, the light of the body 
is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, the body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Now, how can the light that's in you actually be darkness? You know, and lights, that's, that's parabolic. Light speaks to your understanding. So he's basically what Yahshua is saying is not, let not the understanding that's in you be darkness. Darkness represents ignorance. So he's saying, let not the understanding that's within you be ignorance. You know, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people who run around with this false light, if you would. You know, this light of night. That is this understanding of ignorance. You know, and they didn't take heed to this directive Yahshua was saying. You know, they didn't take heed in the light that's in them is actually darkness it's ignorance you know but we're gonna try to shed some true light now the view of Jericho is even more um, this view of Jericho is even more evident when one considers how, how the whole of scripture speak to Jericho you know so yes we can see this in the name but we can also see this you know in the way Jericho is referenced throughout scripture for instance, let us consider 2 Samuel 10.5. It says, When they told it unto David, he, he sent to meet them because men were because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown and then return. Now, this was an incident that happened to David's men when he sent them um, to the king that he was staying with. And, you know, they disrespected him and cut off, you know, half their beards. And so the men were ashamed, you know. And so here it is, David is telling them, okay, well, stay at Jericho, you know, until it grows back. But can you see that Jericho is being associated with the shame? You know, it's not cool for you to go no place else, but you can stay at Jericho, you know, because, of you, because you're ashamed. You know, also consider 2 Kings 2, 17 and 18. It says, and when they urged him, Till he was ashamed, speaking of Elisha, says he, he said, sin. And they sent there 50 men, and they sought three days, but found him not. And just a backdrop to the story, this is speaking of Elisha, and this is when Eliyahu was actually taken of Elohim. It says, um, you know, you know, some of the uh, prophets came, and they was, you know, saying, let's go look for him. And, you know, and Eli, Elisha was like, no, nah, no need. And so they, they kept on at them, urging them until they were ashamed, you know. And so this is what it's talking about. Verse 18 goes on to say, And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I say not unto you, go not? You know, and so again, we see Jericho being associated with shame, you know, and also ignorance, you know, because he's telling them, I told you, don't go. You know, I had already told you, you know. Um, but... They didn't believe him. They were ignorant. They thought that he still may have been around somewhere. And, you know, they went anyway. You know. So, I want you to see the association that Jericho is being given via scripture. 
you know, in these two instances, it speaks to shame and also, you know, darkness or ignorance. Also, let us consider uh, Yermiyahu 39, 5 through 7. It says, But the Chaldeans' army pursued after him and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had taken him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah, in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. And the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah and Riblah before his eyes. Also, the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Yahuda. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. And this is, of course, when Yahuda, the, um, the house of Yahuda, went into captivity. And Zedekiah was his, their last king. And here it is. He was taken in Jericho, you know, and his being taken in Jericho led him to becoming blind, blinded, you know, and carried to Babylon. So here it is, we see Jericho being associated with blindness, which again is darkness. Also consider Matthew Yahoo 20, 29, and 30. It says, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Yahushua passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Adonai, thou son of David. You know, and so here it is. We have two blind men, you know, sitting at Jericho. And again, Jericho being associated with blindness, which is a type of darkness. Consider Mark 10:46, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Again, Jericho being associated with Blindness, darkness. Luke 10.30, And Yahushua answering, he said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And here it is, we have Jericho being associated with thieves, and thieves operate when? In, in the night, in the darkness. Amen? You know, so again, Jericho being associated with the darkness. <clears throat> You know, so I pray that you can see, you know, that Jericho has a strong association with darkness, you know, and with the light that's within darkness, you know, um, which is ignorance. You know, it's not light at all. It's actually darkness. Now, it's important to note that Jericho is Israel's first battle kingdom side of the Jordan with um Joshua or the body of Yahushua as their leader. So what does this teach us? It teaches us that everyone, when they enter into the kingdom of Elohim, they have to, they have to travel this way. Every all of Israel, when they came across the Jordan, they have to go this way. This is the this is the route. This is the way of Yahuwah. This is the way he, he led them. And we know he don't change, right? He's Yahuwah and he changes not. You know, so we all have to travel this way. We all have to go through Jericho in one capacity or another. You know, first the natural, then the spiritual. You know, so they went through it naturally. We must go through spiritually. You know, there's a darkness. There's a light in the darkness, you know, that we have to overcome. 
you know, there's a light in the darkness that we have to gain victory over. Amen. You know, remember, Jericho is also called the city of palm trees. Palm trees represent what? Righteousness. Absolutely. You know, so, you know, I want you to be able to see Jericho because Jericho is that light in the darkness. It's that false light that Yahshua told us to take heed of that our light be not darkness. So I want you to I want you to to get that picture, you know, that this, you know, they have something that looks like righteousness. It looks like understanding, but it's actually ignorance. You know, it's actually they're actually blind. They're in the dark. You know, so I perceive that uh, this this is uh, Yah's way of telling us that the defeat of spiritual Jericho is one of the utmost, one of utmost importance. We we really have to get this. Therefore, we're gonna do all that we can to fully understand the spiritual implications of a walled city. You know, so Jericho is was one of the great walled cities. This word wall is Koma, number twenty three forty six, and it actually means to join. Now this teaches us that their wall or their defense is their unity. Thereby teaching us that they have something in common, such as a doctrine or belief. Actually, whenever you see cities in, in, in scripture, it actually speaks to a type of doctrine. You know, and here it is, you know, we have a walled city, we have uh, a doctrine that everyone is joined in, in with, you know, and that's where it gets its strength from. And I get it. You know, nobody want to be the odd man out. You know, nevertheless, the majority can be wrong. When Yahshua came, the majority were, were wrong. The majority didn't recognize him. They had no idea who he was or what he was talking about. And if you, if you are talking and about what he was talking about today, you know, many of them today still don't know what you're talking about. You know, but I want us to know. You know, so they had something in common and, and actually they did have uh, very much in common. They had some doctrines or, or beliefs, you know. Now, seeing that the city's name and a name speaks to the character, authority, and reputation of the thing. His name is Jericho, which speaks to his moon or his month, you know, as well as the city of palm trees and, and, and fragrant fragrance, you know. That tells us a lot in and of itself. You know, especially when we consider that there's nothing that contains moons or months outside of nights and years, you know. With both pertaining to darkness, this paints a pretty good picture of darkness and its calendar intended for righteous children of darkness. Now, I want you to see this because, you know, this is the revelation that Yah has given me that Jericho really speaks to the calendar of darkness. And this is something that we almost must overcome in our actuality, you know. Now, 
You may say, okay, well, what is the calendar of darkness? Well, let's consider, let's say, the Hillel calendar, for instance. The Hillel calendar is the calendar that the modern-day Yahudim utilizes. I could have just as easily said, you know, let's consider the Gregorian calendar, which is the calendar, you know, that all the world, you know, goes by as well. You know, but these, both of these calendars, in fact, are calendars of darkness. Well, why do I say that? You know, well, because they begin in darkness. You know, one begins in the winter, the Gregorian calendar begins in the middle of winter, in January, which is the dark portion of the year. The Hillel calendar um, that the Yahudim go off of, their Rosh Hashanah begins in the seventh month, which again begins the darkness of the year. You know, their, their days. You know, for those of the Gregorian um, persuasion, their days begin at midnight. You know, that is in the middle of darkness. For the Yahudim, their days begin in the evening. Again, beginning of darkness. You know, their months are centered around the moon. In fact, there's only one calendar whereby the months are centered around the light or the sun. And that is the solar calendar. You know, so what do you call a calendar that days begin at night? The months are beginning um, with the night, with the ruler of the night. The year begins at night. Could this not be a calendar of night or a calendar of darkness? It absolutely is. And the people who adhere to it are people of darkness. You know, Yah will warn in his word, he says, you know, there are those who call themselves Jews but are not by the synagogue of Satan. Satan is the ruler of darkness. Well, how would you expect for his people to go about, you know, their reckoning of time? You know, if he's the ruler of darkness, wouldn't you expect for, for his children's days to begin in darkness? Wouldn't you expect for his children's years to begin in darkness? Wouldn't you expect for his, his children's months to be associated with the darkness? Would that not point to them being children of darkness? And if Yahuwah is light and in them there is no darkness, wouldn't you expect for his days to begin with the light? Wouldn't you expect for his months to commence with the light? Wouldn't you expect his years to commence with the light? So that his children who follow his light can be called children of light? Makes sense to me. 
you know, there's a reason that Jericho is put first. This is not by happenstance. Yah doesn't do things by happenstance. He does things intentionally. This is the first battle. You know, and he gives us supernatural assistance to overcome it. You know, but I, I want you to be able to see spiritual Jericho for what it is. Because it's a place of darkness. It's a place that has a type of light, but it's the light of darkness. It's not the light of day. You know, so I want you to see that. Let's take a look at... Uh, you know, another account of of Jericho, you know, the type of Rahabs that will come out of Jericho, you know, because, you know, there are some good things that can come out of Jericho, even as Rahab and her family came out of Jericho, you know, and we see this in the Brick College out of New Testament writings as well. Let us consider about um, the story of Bartimaeus. You know, it's found in Mark 10, 46 through 52. My next reader, um, please. It's a book of there's a book of uh, what was it? Mark. Mark? Yep. Mark, this is a book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 46. <clears throat> and they came to to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bart Bar Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaris, sat by the highway side begging. Bartimaeus, equal son of uncleanness. Mark chapter ten verse forty-seven, and when he had, and when he heard that it was Yahusha of Nazareth, he began to cry out. He said, Yahushua, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, and many changed him, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Yahushua stood still and commanded him to be called in the city. And they called the blind man, saying to him, be a good comfort. Rise, he called up thee. And he cast away his garment, rose and came to Yahushua. And Yahushua answered and said to him, What would thou that I should do not? Uh, let me read that one more time. And Yahushua answered and said to him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said to him, Adonai, that I might receive my sight. And Yahushua said to him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Yahushua in the way. Hallelujah. Okay, so we see verse 46, it speaks of them coming, coming to Jer Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, um, 
says blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now, Bartimaeus, his name means son of uncleanness. You know, and it actually, uh, well, it actually, you know, translates says blind Bartimaeus, and then it says the son of Timaeus. That's actually what Bartimaeus means. It literally means son of Timaeus, or in the Hebrew, son of uh, Timae. You know, and, you know, some of you may recall that term from Sukkot when we had our Timae tent. <laughs> you know, we had our Timae or Timae tent, you know, and it speaks to uncleanness. You know, and so Bartimaeus literally means the son of uncleanness. You know, and so this is a picture of the unclean of Jericho. You know, and he yells out for Yahushua to have mercy on him. You know, and take note that again, you know, it's dealing with the blinds, dealing with the darkness of Jericho. Now, something that I don't want to just gloss over is verse 50. It says, and he casting away his garment rose and came to Yahushua. Now, I'm here to tell you that, again, Yah's word isn't by happenstance. It's intentional. Every word is divine. You know, it doesn't tell us that he cast away his garment for no reason. There's a reason he, we're being told that he cast away his garment. And it's even because of what the garment represents. The garment is a covering. And so what he, we be, we're being told is that Bartimaeus cast away his covering. Because his covering was not Yah. He cast away his covering. And he, then he rose and came to Yahushua. You know, and some people... That's why they don't get the results that they seek because they won't cast away their covering. See, because a lot of people like to cover themselves. A lot of people like to depend on them themselves, their own might, their own strength to cover them. You know, but you can't cover yourself. Because it's not by strength nor by my but by my ruach, so saith Yahuwah. Amen. You know, and so. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. He cast away his garment before he came to Yahushua. You know, and it says, immediately he received his sight and followed Yahushua in the way. You know, now some of you may have heard, may have heard that the apostles and the, um, the disciples uh, of Yahushua's day were once called children of the way. You know, and you actually see the way mentioned several times in scripture, but a lot of times it's covered up, and this is one of the, one of the um, the areas that is covered away, covered up. Uh, you know, in the KJV, you know, um, the emphasis is mine here. You know, so in the KJV, it's a small T, small W, but you know, I emphasize this so that you can see that it that scripture does talk about the way, because there's a way of Yahuwah. You know, and this way of Yahuwah began way back with Avraham, you know, and, you know, and even before him, actually. But, you know, it's first uh, mentioned 
you know, with Abraham, you know, that, you know, hey, I'm not going to keep nothing from my servant Abraham because surely he would teach his children to follow the way of Yahuwah. You know, and so here it is, Yahushua, you know, was teaching his disciples and his apostles to walk in the way. Hence, he would tell them he was the way. All right. So it says he received his sight, Bartimaeus received his sight, and then he followed Yahushua in the way. You know, so here it is. Once he was able to see, then he walked in the light because Yahushua was the light. Amen. You know, so you can see within this picture that he left out of the city of darkness and began to follow Yahushua in the light. Hallelujah. You know, and so this is a picture of, you know, people being saved out of Jericho. You know, and even as we see with the original depiction of the story, in Joshua 6, Rahab and her whole family was able to come out, right? So, uh, this isn't to say that no good can come from Jericho, you know. So, there's um, there's some Rahabs that, that find their way out. You know, Yahushua found uh, some pure heart there um, as well, you know. So, I have another example of some, someone who makes their way out. It's found in Luke 19. Let me have my next reader read Luke 19, 1 through 10, please. And Yahushua entered and passed, passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Yahushua, who he, he was, and could not follow the press because he was a little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Yahushua came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be, to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Adonai, Behold, Adonai, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from, it, from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Yahushua said unto him, This day salvation come to this house, for as so much as he also is the son of Abraham. And for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Hallelujah. Alright, so somebody somebody with their spiritual eyes open, please tell me. What did Yahshua when he see when he saw when he saw uh, Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree. Oh, right. and sycamore um, actually speaks to a fig tree. Faith. Say again. Faith. Uh, that's a good one, but it's not what I was looking for. 
Okay. Imagine a, a tree. What do you call the flesh that hangs from a tree? Fruit. And that's what he saw. When he saw the sycamore tree and he saw Bartimaeus, I mean not Bartimaeus, but Zacchaeus up in the tree, he saw fruit hanging from the tree. He saw a fruitful tree. You know, and hence he tells him, come on down, make haste. For the day I must abide at your house. And we'll tell him this day salvation come to this house. You know, and he says, for the son of man, seek to save that which is lost. So what does that tell us about uh, Zacchaeus? It tells us he was lost. Because Yahshua says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he was seeking and um, saving Zacchaeus. So he must have been one of those that were lost. And we know that he truly was. And this is why he was at Jericho in the darkness. Within the city of darkness, he was he was lost. He was ignorant. You know, but he was trying. He was trying to see the light. He heard the light was was in his in his area, and he wanted to see the light by any means necessary. He went through extra lengths to see the light, even climbing up in the tree to see the light. Now this is a rich man. Now, mind you, you know this is this is not you know Joe the plumber. You know this is the aristocracy of the place. The aristocracy of the, uh, of the city, one of its affluent citizens, you know, one of the ones that, you know, usually are filled with pride and wouldn't dare belittle themselves by trying to see, you know, someone just walking down the street. He didn't care about any of that. He climbed up in that tree so he can, so he can get a clear view of the light that was coming through that dark place. And the light shined upon him. And even brought salvation to him. You know, so. You have to look at his heart. Of someone in that position. With, in, in, with that type of status. To go that far. To make certain that they saw. The light. That says a lot. You know, and so those would be righteous. All they could do is murmur and say that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. You know, but look at the heart of Zacchaeus. He says, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Can you imagine giving half? Of your stuff away? He says, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man um, by false accusation, I restore him double. No. Triple. No. Fourfold. Look at the man's heart. If you see it, if you can see his heart, you can see the fruit. And if you can see it's heart and the fruit. You can see why salvation came to his house. You know, 
Why Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus' name means pure, and he was pure. He was pure of heart. You know, and it just reminds me of uh, some other scriptural passages. Matthew 5, 8, speaking about the pure, says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see Elohim. He was pure in heart, and he did see Elohim. First Titus um, 1, 5. Now, or is that First Timothy? Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. You know, we see he was a very charitable man. And he was doing it out of a pure heart because nobody told him to do it. There was no commandment that he had to do that. He did that out of the kindness of his heart because his heart was pure. First Kephas 122, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Ruach unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And you can see this man's love. You know, you can you can see it's evident in the things that he said and did. First, uh, I'm second to me, 221 and 22. If a man therefore purge himself from these. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Adonai out of a pure heart. This is what he was doing, and he got his heart's desire. So even if we or our loved ones are still in darkness, there's still hope. You know, just keep your heart pure and continue to look out for that light. You know, become that fruit tree like Zacchaeus did. You know, let Yahshua look up into the tree and see your love, your joy, your your peace, your meekness, your goodness, your temperance, your faith. Yes. You know, the things in which there is no law. You know, and salvation to come to your house too. That's all I have for you today. Prayer was a blessing. Go with would they have the same calendar as the Jewish calendar? They have a no. Um, they have a they have a lunar calendar.